Hey everybody, welcome back to The Pixelist, the podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. I'm Will. That's Blake. <laughs> I know people probably think I'm like an idiot, but like it, we record using Discord and it like mirrors for some reason yeah, your like thing. changes. Yeah, yeah, it gets weird. And it sometimes weird. I have to mirror. So like between the two mirroring effects, I just get confused on which way to point it's like a double rainbow kind of thing yeah but like a double mirror right like a like a double negative kind of yeah you know but our channel's not negative <clears throat> or is like, a double negative a positive i don't know i guess it depends it is in math right or if you multiply if you multiply Bro, negatives left, it's a positive right i left all that stuff <laughs> <laughs> I left all that stuff back home <laughs> also if you uh multiply so. negative cursed energy it becomes Positive cursed energy, if anyone out there knows what I'm talking about. Anyway, let's move on. Welcome to the Pixelist Podcast. Um, today we're here to talk about Dimension 20, The Ravening War, Ooh. Episode 2. <clears throat> Real excited to dive into it. But before we do, a couple of quick things. Um, first and foremost, uh, if you're you know familiar with us, you know we cover a lot of Critical Role stuff. Uh, Candela Obscura is starting this week. Um, it's it's Tuesday today when we're recording this. So in two days, that's coming out. Uh, we're going to be covering that. We're very excited for it. Um, if you're just a Dimension 20 only person and you haven't really checked out anything Critical Role, um, this is going to be a brand new um, <clears throat> series, I guess would be an appropriate word from yeah. them. Um, and it's going to be a recurring series, but each one is going to be like a, I think kind of similar to Dimension 20, where Dimension 20 is the overarching umbrella, but they have different right. like shows within it. Similar right. situation here. Uh, this first outing is going to be only three episodes. So it's a nice little, you know, maybe appetizer to um, check out some Critical Role content if you're interested. Um, so wanted to throw that out there. And um, anything else? Uh, we have the new uh, Worlds Beyond uh wizard witch and wild one episode just dropped today uh so i've started listening to that i think will's gonna listen to it soon so we should have an episode on that coming out in the near future and then also you can stay tuned for our um latest critical role campaign uh episode breakdown we both watched it this last thursday uh in the discord discord plug by the way i uh, watched it in the discord had a live watch party there with some pretty awesome people uh, if you join us, by the way, thank you. That was really fun just to hang yeah. out with the uh, the crew and talk Critical Role as we're watching. So um, won't spoil anything from that episode, but there definitely were a couple of cool moments that all of us were like, what? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that episode will be dropping probably in a couple of days. Um, and then, yeah, like Will said, we'll be covering Candela Obscura, not Candelabra. <laughs> Obscura. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad you brought that up about the Discord because um, I always forget to at the beginning of the episodes. We do have a Discord, like Blake said. It'll be linked in the description below. Come join us to talk Ravening War, to talk D&D, to talk anything. Um, and we do have live watch parties for Critical Role. I, it's something I want to do for Ravening War, and I kind of tried to do it this past week, but I honestly didn't do a very good job because, you know, for Critical Role, I, I have to take notes and stuff for that, but I'm intimately familiar with the lore of critical role so i can do it much faster than with ravening war so like for this past week we tried to do a watch party but i kept having to pause and rewind like every five right. seconds um <clears throat> so i got i quickly got behind everyone else that was watching anyway right. long story short um 
at least for maybe by the finale, if not sooner, I want to have like an official watch party. Uh, so if that interests you, another reason to join the discord. Um, so yeah. thanks for bringing that up. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, without further ado, let's dive into our actual um, discussion today. Uh, before we do that, though, we always do a recap. And if you find yourself on just that recap video, uh, because we do cut that out and host it separately, uh, a link to our full discussion will be in the description below. And on that video, it will have timestamps. So you can just skip straight to our discussion. Um, yeah. But yeah, if you would like to take us off, my friend. Yeah, so uh, recapping episode two of The Ravening War. I think it was called Bloody Conflict? Bloody uh, Harvest, I think. Bloody Harvest. I was going to say, there's bloody something happening yeah. here. It's called Bloody Harvest, and the episode basically picks up, if you remember from the previous episode, we had sort of like a two-year time jump of uh, Jack K... Sorry, I can't really pronounce words so good. Uh, Jacques <laughs> Tomate, Tomate, yeah. Jacques Tomate, who, uh, if you remember, had sort of laid his claim to the throne uh, as a representative of the Fruterans. And then it led to all-out war across all the kingdoms. Um, so we've skipped ahead two years. And Matt, essentially, in this first part, this first half of the episode, is going to kind of go around the table and really ask people, like, hey, what have you been doing in these last two years? And the person that he begins with is Karna. Uh, we find out that Karna is a 16-year-old spymaster. I actually didn't realize that she was 14 in the previous episode. Oh, I didn't either. Uh, but it's sort of coming into her own of um, understanding Spymaster duties. And one of the things that she has been doing is she has continuing, she's continuing to try to sort of like get involved with Tomate uh, to essentially be not necessarily his right hand man, but someone that he can count on uh, so that if he does find his way into the throne, she would quote, be set up for life. This is going to be an important detail. It's going to going to come to fruition later in uh, the episode. But uh, separate from that, she's also spreading dissent about Bulbian theology, for lack of a better phrase, um, sort of like creating rumblings around this is all uh, the Bulbian church is doing nothing, this is their fault, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, and then on the side of, you know, outside of her day job, she's also romanticizing about a young one thing. Delhi that she met a couple of years ago and uh, maybe sending a couple of messages to keeping up up with over time. Uh, speaking of Delhi, uh, Delhi has his right hand man, Colin Provolone, and the two of them have continued to uh, operate in the Meatlands. Uh, there has been quite a bit of political strife and um, sort of infighting in the Meatlands. And Delhi has sort of taken it upon himself to try to unify the Meatlands. And um, like I mentioned, has Colin as his right-hand man. Although Colin, being from the Derry Islands, is very much committed to Delhi. Uh, the Delhi, the Derry Islands themselves, we find out, um, have really sort of lost their autonomy. And there's a bit of a, a, some tension there as well. Um, this attack from uh, the, the hopeful king, Tomate, uh, actually, we find out is uh, he wasn't expecting this sort of all-out war to happen, and this disorganized uh, claim to the throne uh, has sort of gotten away from him. And part of that has included trying to find political allies, and in one way, 
one way that he's done that, excuse me, is gifting the Dairy Islands basically over to the Meatlands. Uh, and so Colin is Delhi's right-hand man. In fact, uh, Colin gets awarded a title of Scald. Uh, it's supposed to be like a name of honor or uh, authority. So it begins to be known as Scald Provolone. And essentially, the two of them have, like I mentioned, um, have been sort of just holding out, waiting for direction. Now, they are going to receive some direction. They're after one, uh, uh, at the end of one day, uh, Delhi's actually going to find a scroll in his room that is from the FDA, the Fellowship of Destiny's Architects, that basically says, it's time. Um, we need you to come to Kamita. Uh, to the spot under the food pyramid uh, and bring him. And it's in this moment, there's a really funny dialogue around, like, who could him be? And then Colin <laughs> Zakoyama's like, do you think I got a scroll too? And Deli's like, it says bring him. So I think, I don't think you got a scroll. <laughs> uh, but Matt does, probably feeling sorry for Zach, uh, does give him a scroll in his room that's basically like, we already wrote to Deli to tell him what to do. <laughs> so <laughs> just stick with them, you know? Um and then also with that, um, uh, well, I guess I, I don't want to get into details for who they talked to before they leave, because so that, that's your half. But um, there's also been some communication with uh, uh, Priest Rafaniel, uh, who has sort of been uh, encouraging Delhi, trying to be supportive of Delhi. Uh, Rafaniel, by the way, uh, who's been hanging out in Greenhold with Amango and Karna, um, has also been trying to get a fi his finger on what's sort of happening in the political landscape. Um, people have sort of lost a little bit of faith in Tomate, and more importantly, um, Rafaniel is not so much openly supporting Amon Go, but is trying to get a feel for what do people want? What do they care about? And it's kind of this this furthering, uh, this interesting dynamic between Amongo has her two closest allies who, oddly enough, aren't super openly supportive of her. Uh, one thing that, Rob, that, um, uh, that, that Brennan does is essentially uh, creates even more like political strife around you guys are really bad at politics and this can't go on. We need someone who can lead us because you guys are really bad at that. Um, part of this conversation also leads to the continuing realization that Amango's best place forward is going to be at the side of Tomate, uh, not just for her protecting her own autonomy, her own consolidating her own power, but especially like uniting these kingdoms. It seems like the best play is to try to marry uh, King Tomate or King, the hopeful King Tomate. And so the plan then becomes to leave Greenhold. Uh, especially once they receive a similar scroll uh, and travel under Bulbian disguise to Kamada, where Amango can meet with um, uh, Tomate and essentially put out this plan. Uh, Tomate, by the way, has been hiding. Um, there's been some fear, some fears of assassinations that has kind of that has put him into hiding. Uh, and as they sort of lay out this plan, there's an interesting dialogue between. Um, uh, Rafaniel and Karna, where Karna comes to Rafaniel's church and is physically, seemingly disgusted to the point of like almost vomiting, being in the house of um, 
uh, of the great bulb. <laughs> I don't know if that's the best way to describe it. <laughs> uh but essentially, the two of them decide, you know, if we're going to get on Tomate's good side, we're going to need to offer up a thorn in his side. Uh, and Raphael chooses, was his name Druden? Knight Druden? I think or... it was um, Sir Drunon. Sir Drunon. Uh, essentially, this um, swarmy, slimy knight who became popular after a battle, but is absolutely a thorn in Tomate's side and is really not even so much widely regarded outside of a, a, a select group of nobles. And Rafanyol's like, this, this is the person to offer up to Tomate. Um, there's some really great uh, insight checks back and forth with uh, Karna and Rafanyol. And also, there's some funny dialogue around, is, is Brennan's character included on this call to Kamita, uh, <laughs> which he claims he's just been grandfathered in, like, oh, they saw me stumble <laughs> into this meeting under the food pyramid, they must just have looped me in, uh, but Karna rolls like a three on the inside check, and uh, Tom and Go, she's like, yeah, he's good, he's, <laughs> <laughs> even though she knows he's not, he's like, yeah, she's, he think he's good. Um... Other than that, uh, there is some other business that uh, that Brennan wants to take care of on the way to Kamida, um, which Will will get to in a little bit. But essentially, he entrusts this knight, uh, Sir Allium Goldring, uh, an onion onion ring knight, to basically watch after these two characters and protect them uh, and make sure nothing bad happens to them. Um, am I forgetting anything else before they head out on this journey? Oh, we actually do have Karna uh, go and assassinate uh, yeah. this knight, as well as the woman that he's with. Uh, and she lets, she essentially, in murdering both of them, essentially says, um, we all become food in the maw of the great hungry one, which seems to be the um, patron that Karna is following and possibly is an opposition of the great bulb. <laughs> yeah. We got a lot to talk about regarding yeah. that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It seems to be the reason for her, um, unhappy stomach, but, um, and then also there's this really crazy detail where Karna in killing the night reveals this, I think it was like a patch of like rotten flesh that she like carves away from herself, um, yeah. and sort of offers up in this sacrifice. Um, having said that, am I forgetting anything else before they head out? No, I think that pretty much okay. covers it. So why don't you take it from there? Yeah. All right. <clears throat> and quick disclaimer for anyone watching the video. If you noticed me like start freaking out during Blake's recap, something like got in my eye. So, uh, <laughs> just in case anyone was wondering what I was doing, making those faces. Hopefully you weren't like, you were like, no, <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> um, right, okay. Here. So <clears throat> we pick up. Um, cutting back to the Meatlands duo of Delhi and Colin, who are preparing for their journey to head to Kamada when um, Surly approaches them. Now, he is this guard that we saw in the first episode, and it seems to be kind of an important guard, maybe an important figure, not like politically important. Um, I, think, I think he would describe himself as Delhi's best friend, actually. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> um, so he approaches and is like, hey, like, where are you, you guys are packing up. Where are y'all going? And um, Delhi says, you know, it's probably best for you not to know. And Surly is kind of, you know, slightly offended by this, you know, like Blake said, they're friends. Um, 
And Delhi picking up on this is like, well, you know, there's some big important people we're going to talk to. Um, and he actually has to roll a deception check and hits a natural one on this. And uh, Surly says, yeah, like, uh, I get it. I get it. Um, <laughs> and Delhi's like, you know, please keep this between us. Don't tell anybody, you, you know, saw us leaving. And he's like, yeah, I'll keep it private. But, you know, definitely let me know how it goes when you get back. And uh, there's also just a really, this is a really funny scene. They start talking about sex and. Uh, oh my gosh, know. this is so freaking good. <laughs> it was it was great. Um, but then. I didn't we, know how it came up either. It was like, and don't forget, it's not, <laughs> this guy's like, it's not as great as people say it is. <laughs> I didn't even know how this happened. But Yeah, I, I think it maybe anyway. was like they implied at first, maybe they were like going to meet up with some girls maybe or something. Yeah, okay. um, but yeah, it was great. So then we cut back to um, Bishop and Co, um, Rafaniel, Karna, and Amongo, and they are on their journey. They are passing through Bright Garden. Now, this is where the bishop had some business to take care of on the way. So he stops in and he is basically just alerting a member of his network, yeah. um, Sister Riley Underbake, who is a member of the Cloistered Order. Um, and he's telling her about this um, this damage he found um as he was researching the past two years about just the bulb the and the fda and yeah, seeing what he could right. find i forgot to mention this yeah. um in that research he found pages of the holy text were omitted or even ripped out and so he is tasking sister underbake with figuring out who might have done this and why um so he just wants her to look into that so all parties then are making their way to Kamada, and the Meatlands duo actually gets there a day earlier than the Queen and company. Um, so the Meatlands duo gets there two days before this meeting with the FDA, and the Queen and them get there one day before. So in that time before, uh, a couple characters do some things. Um, Amungo uh, sneaks out one night and stealths to this old like ramshackle house, and Karna follows her uh, undetected. Um Amungo gets there, uh, goes inside, and is met by this older pomegranate woman, who then leads her to a crib inside where there is a baby wine grape that um, is said to share the same like flex that Amungo has, insinuating that this is her child. Um, mm -hmm. Amungo picks the baby up and holds it and asks, you know, has anybody else come through here? And the old pomegranate says, no, I've been very careful. And Amungo thanks her and... Um, the pomegranate says, you know, I would do anything for your house. Uh, and the baby actually throws up on Amungo a little bit <clears throat> and she sets her down and she's like, I promise one day I will be back um, to take him. And um, as she leaves uh, again, Karna had been following her. So she sees her come out and she can, she clocks the little like throw up stain. Um, so Karna is able to put two and two together and she actually hires some like local street urchin kids to like keep an eye on that house for her. We then cut to Colin Provolone, who on one of these nights has gone to the docks and basically alerted the shipmaster to arrange three different uh, shipments to happen at different times um, to give himself essentially three escape routes should he need them over the coming couple of days. Basically just a big crate that presumably he's going to get into and be shipped off somewhere. Um, also a pretty funny scene. Um 
Delhi during this time uh, says that he sends out missives to different fruit Terrans that he thinks um, recognize Meatland's ownership of some of the Dairy Islands territory and basically would be his allies and just says, hey, if any of you guys are in Kamida, I'm here and, you know, would like to meet with you as Thane of the Meatlands. Um, so then we cut to the night of the actual FDA meeting. Uh, and again, if I don't know if I explained this, but FDA, if you're not familiar with that acronym, is the um, Fellowship of Destiny's Architects, the like Illuminati group. So mm -hmm. it's the day of the meeting. The group all comes back together um, and Delhi asks Karna, he's like, hey, you know, so it's been two years. Have you heard of me now? And she's like, yeah. yeah, I have. You've made enemies trying to unite the Meatlands and, you know, people here respect your vision. And she kind of blushes because she's kind of feeling him and everyone else in the group picks up on it. Um, <clears throat> they then head to the pyramid just like before, um, but they do not go down to that same chamber um, where they were the first time. Instead, they go to a different chamber and inside are 10 cloaked figures waiting for them. Um they, they, there's a lot of information passed here, and I'm just going to try to cover the important parts of it. Um, but of the things they say, one is, we know what lies beyond the veil of the book and the truth so many choose not to see. Many bury the truth as heresy, and in so doing, march calorum into the fires of darkness. We will not allow this. A crucial stage in our plot approaches. A dangerous, untenable political operative soon moves incognito from Ceresia seeking to unravel our carefully engineered stage of our design. Um, it's about three days before they will arrive in Uvano, and this cannot happen. Prepare, find a place to ambush, and slay them. Will you do this? Delhi immediately is like, hell yeah. Like, he's in. <laughs> but the others are like, well, wait, hold on a second. Yeah, hang on. <laughs> and so Amon goes like, who is this person that you want us to kill? And the FD has says, we don't know. You know, they're just a foreign operative. Um. And then, like Blake mentioned earlier, the Bishop Rafaniel was trying to say, like, yeah, you know, they brought me back because I'm grandfathered in. So yeah. <laughs> I forget who says it, but like somebody is like, oh, hey, FDA members, quick question. You chose yeah. all of us, right? <laughs> and they basically just throw um, throw Rafaniel under the bus. They're like, yeah, yeah, like we chose him. He was one of you. He didn't just get grandfathered yeah. in. <laughs> I love Britain being like, you all must be so proud of yourself. He's like, I hope you're happy. <laughs> yeah. Um, Too good. So that big reveal finally revealed and yeah. um they <laughs> also a, a, sorry just like a clickbait <laughs> rafanyo's big secret revealed <laughs> um, title of this episode i'm realizing uh, by the way we we didn't even we'll have to talk about this in the actual discussion but i forgot to mention his his vision by the way of like meat or like blood and sinew or something so mm -hmm. just a, just a casual detail that i glossed over so <laughs> we'll talk about that later but yeah, anyway continue <clears throat> um so the FDA, you know, reveals that the bishop was always part of them and or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, they right. uh, they throw a weapon to help um, to help our party. Um, and it's revealed to be a water steel dagger that seems to get a big reaction from at least some of the table, uh, which Karna takes. Um, and then they say, leave no witnesses. If you return in success, we might share with you our grand vision. Um, but if you fail, you know. We've got yeah. the blackmail and everything on you. <clears throat> um, but they say, um, we aid, to aid you further, we will send you with another ally. Then from the shadows, another figure steps forth, not masked, not cloaked, just a normal person um, who it's who is Darren Dishless Quiche. 
a storied <laughs> mercenary that uh, Colin Provolone has actually heard of. Um, they all leave together. Um, Dishless is, you know, again, a mercenary. He's just there to help them carry this out. So they all leave together and Dishless shares the plan. He says, we're going to head out at first light tomorrow, hopefully arrive there a day before our convoy that we need to attack is going to arrive. Um, and there is this bridge that goes over a juice river in a valley, and that'll be a great choke point, a great ambush point. So, you know, get your stuff together. We will head out tomorrow. Um, <clears throat> before they leave, though, the the bishop asks uh, Dishless, how long have you been working with the FDA? And he casts Detect Thoughts. Um, and Dishless says that, you know, they've been reaching out to me over the years, um, here and there, and his thoughts during this are just various times he's gotten the little summoning the letter and uh, getting paid very well so the bishop picks up that you know he's not in this for some grand vision he's just in this for the money so the party that night decide to all stay together for safety reasons at um, a safe house that karna has procured so they head that way uh, but on the way the bishop is um makes a comment about you know i understand why Thane, Delhi is here. I understand why Amon Go is here and Karna, you know, as a spy master. But Colin, why are you here? Like he wants to know what Colin's story is and how this seemingly innocuous, you know, bodyguard fits into this. Uh, but Colin's not really sharing any information. Um, and they kind of have a sort of intense like back and forth. <clears throat> mm -hmm. But it's dropped for now. So they go to the safe house, have dinner. And uh, there's one thing they want to take care of before they're heading out tomorrow, and that is um, Karna going to see Tomate and delivering the head of Sir Drunan and trying to piece together this potential Lady Amongo marriage to him. So they're talking about what they should do, how should they approach this, and ultimately they decide that um, Karna should go by herself because Tomate is going to be very guarded and um, it might be too conspicuous for all of them to try to go see him. Um so she's like, okay, and she immediately transforms into the form of Jacques Rudete, her spy master mentor that she took over. Um, <clears throat> she does this in front of everyone, though. Um, and so Deli and Colin, not being aware of that she can do this, kind of freak out. And they're like, whoa, what's going on here? And so Lady Amongo actually um, does a deception check saying like, Oh, she's a, she's a miracle worker of the bulb. Like she has been blessed by the bulb. That's why she can perform this miracle. And she actually rolls a nat 20 on the deception check. So they all buy this for now. Um, so Karna heads out in Jacques form and heads to the Mason guild where he's currently like stationed. Um, she's led inside. She meets with him. She immediately pulls out the head of Sir Drunan and is met with praise. But she says, you know what? This isn't the only gift I bring you. Mm -hmm. I have also brought you a queen. And she basically, you know, propositions him with this marriage to Lady Amongo. Tomate, like, hadn't even been thinking about a queen. And he's like, oh. And he seems to be very intrigued by this idea. But he's not ready to, like, immediately say, let's do it. He needs to talk to his advisors first. Um, Karna then says, well, I have one more thing. But you must clear the room before I show you this last thing. And he does. Karna then tells him about Amongo's baby, the heir, and that she knows where it is. And that in return for all of this, all she wants is a seat at the table. Uh, and Tomate says, okay, well, you know. But she also mentions that her and the queen are going out of town for a few days to handle some stuff. So he says, bring the queen here when you guys return. 
and we will talk more. Karna then drops her disguise and reveals the truth about herself and Jacques. Um, and Tomate says, well, it looks like a seat at the table is empty then. Um, <clears throat> we then cut to the next morning. Everyone's gathered um, and is traveling to the ambush point. Um, they arrive uh, about a day or so before the convoy is supposed to arrive, and they begin to make their plans on how to do this ambush. And that is where episode two ends. Again, um, thanks for bearing with us through that one. Uh, if you're on just the recap video, our full discussion will be linked down below. Okay. Alrighty. Lots to discuss. Lots to chat about. Yeah. First reaction. What'd you think? Yeah. Um, you know, I had a great time. It's pretty much always going to be the answer. Like we, we usually joke about, but, um, yeah, it's just so fun to, uh, to get to dive into a new world like this. And, uh, you know, I mentioned having to like write notes and rewind every five minutes. Um, but it's kind of, it's fun. Like I like diving into this and trying to, you know, get an understanding yeah. of this new world. So I'm really enjoying it. You know, I love the cast. I think they've got some good chemistry and great yeah. characters. Um, and it's fun to just see Matt, you know, do something a little different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm liking it a lot too. Um, loving the pacing of it all. Um, I was curious, like, since other D and D content I'm used to is much longer, like how it would feel. Mm -hmm. uh, and it feels good. It feels meaty. Um, yeah. You know, and then a special shout out to Brennan. Brennan has so many amazing one-liners in this episode. Like such a thoughtful character. I mean, they're all wonderful. Um, I really enjoy all the characters, but you know, I've been a massive Brennan fanboy since Calamity. So, <laughs> I mean, he is camera time. He's yeah. just the king of of the one liner, you know. Yeah, like in the I, DM chair or in the player chair, it seems. I, yeah, and I was thinking about even some convert, like when he's having his interactions with Karna, and later with um, Colin Provolone. There's just so many. He just navigates it so well. Um, it's really fun to watch. Uh, yeah. So, and it's just so cool to see, um, you know, he is the, the creator of this world. And so it's so cool to just see him at the table and be able to kind of like, not, I don't mean that he's metagaming in any way, but just like mm -hmm. he's playing a character that is very smart and knows a right. lot. So it's kind of cool to just have that dynamic and have him kind of, I don't know. It's just, it's cool to yeah. see. Yeah. Well, I think even um, the scene where he meets the uh, clergy woman in Bright Garden and gives the information about the bulb, and then either that individual, I think it was that individual, like walks away and begins like to whip themselves mm -hmm. or like in like hurt themselves, and uh, Karna's like, "What is that all about? What's happening?" Yeah. And um, Brennan, in character, just so comfortably navigated it um, in kind of a disturbing way. I just thought, man, Brennan is such a smart person. Um, but yeah, some really meaty, interesting dialogue in this episode, for sure. Definitely. Was that, was that the same moment where he gave the speech? Or not speech, but he was talking about like pain is the gift of this world. I think was so. That, yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. That was so. really good. And, um, <clears throat> I mean, I guess that, that, 
not that specific moment, but that kind of leads to one of the bigger things I wanted to talk about, which I guess we could just launch in unless you had something specific you no, wanted yeah. to go to yeah. first. But just, <clears throat> well, maybe there's two conversations here because there's a, a Bishop Rafaniel centered conversation. And then I want to talk about Karna too, kind of in the same vein. Yeah. Um, but like, just what's going on with, I don't know which one to start on. So I'm just going to start in general, but what's going on with this, this hungering one and this darkness and do, are you getting the impression that what these visions from the Bishop and his, his darkness do you think that is also the hungering one potentially? Or do you think that I, is maybe something else entirely? Since Matt called it a vision, I actually in the previous episode thought it was like a dark past of Rafaniel, like something like he had kind of hidden away, mm-hmm. which gives it a little bit more color to like this cunning nature he seems to have. I now wonder if it is like some vision of the future in some way mm. that that maybe what appears to be cunning and self-serving for like the Bulbian church, which I think is, um, I think maybe Raphael's character sees it as like the ends justify the means to sort of maybe prevent something really bad from happening. Um, I, it does feel like a story of like opposites, like light and dark. Whereas, you know, Brennan's character sort of represents this, this, I guess, source of hope and optimism, um and Karna's character seems to or excuse me Bria's character seems to uh yeah be much more nihilistic and dark you know we are all food um but, but is even physically repulsed by being in a Bulbian building um the dynamic's very interesting and then at the center of both of them you have Queen Amango who's very trusting seemingly naively so um and is i guess you know beholden to both of their aspirations even if it's at her expense is what i would assume i don't know what do you what's your kind of take on that whole dynamic um between those three yeah yeah i don't know i can't really parse her she definitely seems i don't know because it could be somewhat of a somewhat of a mask she definitely outwardly appears very trusting of the two of them, but I'm wondering if that's if her internal monologue knows that they're backstabbers. Cause like each of them to each other's faces is like buddy, buddy, friendy, friendy. But we know that, you know, the Bishop has his own motives and is spreading the rumors he want to. And Karna's doing the exact same, even to the detriment of the queen. I just can't imagine that she would be so naive as to not at least have an inkling of that, but maybe we just haven't seen her like say that yet we've heard anjali bamani say almost got a joke about herself of being overly trusting um yeah. i mean is this a bit of like a ruse maybe um i don't know i think especially bringing in the situation of the air mm-hmm. i i this feels a bit too much of a long game for Karna for Karna to offer up that that playing piece that which is massive by the way and is probably the biggest threat to Tomate's um hopeful ascension. I, I have a hard time envisioning Karna offering that detail if she's secretly playing the long game to establish Amon Go. Um 
just because it's such a big detail. It's such a big, there's, there's so much danger in offering up that insight. Um, yeah. I, I mean, she's definitely looking out for number one, like it Karna, seems like that. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's my impression for sure. For sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, okay. I want to, I, I want to talk about the, the air still. So don't let, don't let us yeah, forget okay. that, but I want to backtrack a little bit, um, to the Bishop and Karna again. Um, Okay, so one thing you said there, you're the potential about like if he's seeing the future and he's trying to, you know, prevent that as it were, whatever. <clears throat> so you're thinking the angle there is that in a way he is like a very selfless and like has a honorable quest in that way, if that is the case, where like he's trying to do all this for like some greater good. Maybe I'm just saying I could see that angle. I could also see it. Um, the the Bulbian storyline is very Catholic Church esque to me, which mm. is not to be meant to be offensive to anyone who's Catholic. But there has been a lot of historical data points over several hundreds of years of the Catholic Church operating less as a religious institution and more like as a force of politics. And, yeah. you know, sort of propping up itself. Um, so and so without getting into the minutia of all that, that's I would not be surprised to it at the end of the day, just be political intrigue and, you know, playing on a chessboard to sort of continue to establish the Bulbian church. There is this interesting conversation that Rafaniel has with Karna where another great line from Brennan um, on like pride versus humility and uh, heroes essentially is like the greatest illustration of sinfulness of pride because you're you're sort of like propping yourself up rather than being humble and then karna says well after this is all said and done do you think you'll be regarded as a hero and refino says i hope no one remembers me so i don't i don't know if that's like out of like this huge altruistic you know, don't remember me. I just want good to win out. Or if he's so, his character's identity is so synonymous with this underhanded, cunning, like very literally, I hope I'm, I'm never found out. I, I don't know. It's hard to see like which angle Brennan's taking his character. I, I think both are pretty intriguing though. Yeah. I wrote that down too. Like, I hope to not be remembered. Um, <clears throat> which, yeah, I, same questions I, I posed the same questions you just talked about. And then I also wondered, like, was he just lying? Like, does he, does he actually want to be remembered? But he's just saying that. <clears throat> and I don't know how to parse it. And I'm also wondering if, I mean, he does seem like such a wheeler and dealer and a manipulator, like, you know, like uh Varys or Littlefinger from game of Thrones. Like we mentioned, I am not sold on that. He's actually religious. Like, I wonder if that is just the station that's like a station that's very powerful and so he's he's utilized that his whole life i'm not saying he's not but i think it's at least yeah. possible that that's just like you know especially given these dark visions which again just a base statement um you know if you're watching this episode i'm assuming you probably watched our first one but blake and i have not seen a crown of candy <clears throat> and we don't right. intimately familiar with like the background lore of this world so some of the stuff might even be like obvious and uh again 
feel free to let us know in the comments, but please just include like a spoiler, spoiler for Crown of Candy yeah. um, if it is relevant in that way. Because um, like I know the we were talking about. I don't want to shift to Karna yet, but just to say this, we were talking about what was going on with Karna in episode one and like the secrecy around her magical powers and stuff. And somebody in the comments did mention that there was this hungering one entity that, it, and it's like magic is like kind of frowned upon because it shows that like, and again, I don't know what I'm talking about, but it shows right. that like you are like empowered by that entity. So like you can't right. be like, you know, so um, <clears throat> go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I will say I really like your theory there because there just are so many moments where Rafaniel is caught, so to speak, or maybe that's too strong of a word. Even saying like one upped is too strong of a word, like where there's like an opportunity for vulnerability and Brennan has him throw out, you know, the one liner about the Bulbian church, um, you know, like almost like reciting like a scripture verse, like from like the Bible, like he just throws it out, says it, always perfectly applicable mm -hmm. um or he at least presents it as so uh so i could definitely get on on board with this whole you know operating out of the identity of the position without mm -hmm. really you know believing it i could definitely see that because and again i <laughs> there's like so much to unpack here that i don't necessarily want to like jut off yet but him researching and finding like the pages that were torn out and, you know, him getting that that lady to look into it for him, combined with one of the things the FDA said, um, which let me just have it written down here. Um, bah, 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 bah. We know what lies beyond the veil of the book. I have to think the book is the the book of yeah. leaves, the Bulbian. Book. Yes. We yeah. know what lies is like that. That is like the holy book, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. So we know what lies beyond the veil of the book and the truth. So many choose not to see many bury the truth as heresy. So like burying the truth, ripping out the pages perhaps. Mm -hmm. So like, <clears throat> are the, are those things connected? It seems like an easy connection to make, but it could be kind of a red herring. And like, does the hungering one fit into that at all? Like, you know, right. maybe like it's, for what these people believe, um, maybe it is like for the greater good or something. I don't know. It's it's, it's like a lot to unpack there. Um, again, so maybe the bishop has some sort of ties to this hungering one as well. Um, but you would think, okay, and here's the, I know I'm rambling, but in episode one, Karna, you know, the whole transforming, like, oh, you know, he saw you transform, like, Bishop says, if you use magic in front of people, I can't help you. Like the mm. bishop clearly knows what Karna is or that she has these abilities. Like he knows that right. and he's cool with it, which if he was, well, he, if he was the bishop, I mean, he is a bishop, but like you would think that he would almost be like adamantly like the most staunch against that. Yeah. Like why right. is a bishop cool with a, a hungering one person? Um, well, and why is he so comfortable sort of showing not his underhanded nature, like his cunning, his cunningness. Like, it's interesting that you're right, that he doesn't just like either immediately oust her or put on this facade of like, oh, I, I don't mess with that. But instead is sort of like reveals his hand a little bit of like giving her advice and kind of mm -hmm. not mentoring her. But there are moments where uh, 
there is like sort of this mentoring happening, not just with Karna, but also with Amon Go in the first episode. Um, and naturally, everyone's pretty suspicious of him as well, especially once they figured out from the FDA that he, in fact, had been invited. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was his original letter again? Um, his blackmail was like the yeah. herbs that. Yes. Yes. Were like right. poisonous, basically. Right. Um, so, yeah, I just I don't know what to make of it because I don't remember the exact wordage but in that first episode you know Amon Go and Karna were having like a telepathic conversation being like mm-hmm. did you tell the bishop this and she was like no I didn't tell him he just like yeah. like he knows like he just knew somehow and then later yeah, he right. uses the telepathic communication that no one knew he was capable of um <clears throat> so I'm wondering I don't know there's just a lot to unpack there I don't know enough about the the world lore to know if I can confidently say he is also maybe affiliated with that or if there's other dark entities. Yeah, it is hard knowing what just hasn't come to be realized yet, like what's going to be like a reveal and like what the subtext, I guess, of people who've seen A Crown of Candy, yeah. like the data points they're latching on to. Right. Um, so I do wonder if we're in the dark as much as everyone else or if there are other details that... You know, and in a spoiler-free way, but other details that we just aren't aware of. One of those, by the way, uh, the water steel dagger that's mentioned. Yeah, yeah. The cast gave a reaction to. I did look this up on oh. like the Crown of Candy wiki. Yeah. Um, which doesn't this doesn't spoil anything if you want me to tell you what mm-hmm. I read about it. Uh, and yeah. by the way, if you if you've seen a Crown of Candy, I apologize that this is this is like someone who has no idea what it is just reading the wiki. Um, so if I miss some context here, feel free to just correct me in the comments. But from what I understand, it is this sort of marvel of technology where they realize, I think pure water is deadly or dangerous to all denizens of, of, um, the lands, I guess. And, uh, they found a way to convert pure water, uh, combine it with steel to make a water steel weapon Mm. um and from what i understand from the wiki um not only does it damage you it also puts some sort of debilitating effect on you uh and then i think the other detail i read was that it it dissolves upon use like it's a one it's it's definitely like an assassination weapon um so once it's used it it dissolves or something um that's like the general understanding from the wiki again disclaimer don't get mad at me uh, <laughs> if I missed some context or details there, but definitely the cast, as soon as it was re- re- awarded, were like, oh, okay. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Good to know. Um, I assumed it had to be something crazy like that. The one time use thing is really interesting. So it'll be, I think, I think that's what it said. I could be wrong. It'll be, uh, if she doesn't use it in this mission they're about to do. Like, man, is that going to get turned on somebody in the party or something? Uh, I definitely get the impression we might be heading to some infighting. I mean, we got to be. The show. Yeah. I mean, I guess tonight is the halfway point. So. Uh, tomorrow night. Tomorrow yeah. night. Yeah. Right. I was thinking Tuesday for some reason. Um, so, yeah. I, I, I mean, just from the already the subterfuge subterfuge that's happening between the party um yeah it seems like a key Chekhov's gun ian type yeah, item 100 um, if we can maybe park there for a second 
um, and not even getting so much in the FDA's conversation, but the mission. I wonder if people who've seen a crown of candy are if they know who the person is that they're going to assassinate, <laughs> or if this will be a totally yet to be identified character. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm curious too, because <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess if they did know, it would it would have to be just like from like a history check, right? Because this was twenty years prior. Right. In terms of like, it's not somebody that, you know, well, right. I guess they could have, I guess they could fail and maybe that character sure. is still alive in, but yeah, yeah. I was wondering that too. I um, think it'd be interesting if they fail in the sense of now the final four episodes are more them positioned against the FDA, which has been much more a compelling force than presumably who this new character is not to say it couldn't be. Um, I also liked, uh, provolones, Colin provolones question to Delhi on when they say no witnesses, do they mean, um, quiche? Oh, yeah. And, and that, he's like, yeah, Delhi asked him that. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> then, yeah. And so then Colin's like, no, yeah. <laughs> of course not. It doesn't make any sense, but it did make me wonder my first guess was like, here's the NPC who helps the party. It's like classic DMing. You know, you have the NPC who can kind of help flex the battle a little bit. But it did make me wonder if a level beneath that, if Quiche is there to not like kill the party, but if they fail on behalf of the FDA, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I did wonder if there is like some subtext there beyond just. You know, here's the NPC who's going to help. Yeah, I think so. I think that makes a lot of sense. Kind of like a contingency right. package. Uh, yeah, I feel like totally. Um, yeah, he's, he seemed like a cool character. Um, yeah, he was. He is, you know, I was kind of expecting when he was introduced another kind of like Sir Drudon, like this kind of badass warrior, but he's like a huge D-bag and... Yeah. you know, debaucherous, but Colin was like, yeah, or Matt was like, Colin, yeah, you've heard of him. He's, you heard he's pretty chill. <laughs> so like, I just, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I, I'd be definitely interested to see what you said about like, if they failed and then the rest was them kind of pitted against the FDA in addition to all this other stuff, that would be crazy. I, um, I feel like I don't see that happening, but that I would be, that would just be all chaos broken loose if so, mm -hmm. which would be cool to see. Um, <clears throat> okay. Uh, one, one last thing on the whole um, hungering one stuff is just on the Karna side of things. Clearly, clearly Amongo and the Bishop have some idea. I mean, we don't really know to what extent, um, but they know enough to know that that needs to be hidden and they can't help her if it comes out. But beyond that, we don't really know the depth of their knowledge on whatever's going on with her. <clears throat> so my questions are, does she know, does she understand what's happening to her? Is this like a deliberate choice that she like, again, don't know what I'm talking about worships this thing. I mean, we know she took flesh, some of her own flesh 
and mm. the flesh of these people she killed and like did a ritualistic sacrifice to this thing. Um, I just don't know what to make of this. Cause it's like, <clears throat> if these are tr like the, if it is like the antithesis to the bulb, I just can't imagine again, the Bishop's morality and what his true intentions are aside. I can't imagine I'm on go being oh, cool, yeah, cool with that. Yeah. Um, hey, uh, I'm not cool, but you just did. <laughs> yeah. It's it's, weird. I think it was Lou who was like, y'all people are freaks. <laughs> y'all are weird. <laughs> so I just, I just, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this. Like she yeah. does, she seems to be out for num numero uno. You know, she, you know, giving up the, the child and everything to Tomate. Um, so does she have some like, does she have some grand plan of her own beyond just looking out for number one? Is there some like hungering one directive that she is trying to ascertain power for? Or yeah. is it just, no, she's just the spy master. She's doing her thing. And she just so happens to like. You'd have to you know. wonder if there is like some. Not to spoil anything, but a certain movie we saw not me and you but we saw recently where there's this number two person escalating in power who really just wants to see the whole kingdom destroyed um are you tracking with me or no i think i am <laughs> okay <laughs> it's in a movie popular, yeah forget it <laughs> we in saw it recently movie, we didn't see it together but but like it we, came out recently yeah i just didn't want to spoil it for yeah. anyone who hadn't seen it yet okay because like just a good movie. Yeah, I, it'll I'll, I'll, it'll come to me. I'll let you know when the light bulb clicks. Sure, well. So in popular media, <laughs> it's not uncommon for there to be someone vying for power, and you have like the dopey king or what have you, who's like, yeah, this is my number two, but actually that person's really trying to make a play over their head yeah. for like a deity or like a cosmic force or something that has like world altering implications. And to get you to your point, I do wonder if that's happening. If her dedication to the hungry one is actually really the end game of like, we all do become food or like, what if the hungry, hungry one in this, you know, like the Lego movie, like what if the hungry one is literally, you know, it's like a person farmer, 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 Joe. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it was like telling the crops and, uh, you know, the end game is everything gets eaten. I don't know. And so I, I do think there is something beyond just, you know, I'm up and coming aspiring spy master. I get to add another bullet point to my resume. You know, yeah. I, it doesn't feel like it's quite that, but maybe it is. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I don't, I like the, uh, I like that farmer idea though. Cause it, it kind of like makes sense for the world. I could yeah. see something like that. It did seem like in the uh, not that not that the bishop's visions are regarding the hungering one, but that reminds me the. And I wish I had it like pulled up, but I don't have the exact quote in my notes. But when he was having that vision, <clears throat> Matt mentioned like whirling blades or something to that effect. Mm -hmm. Um, and it made me think of a blender. Yeah, which, you know, because of their food. Um, yeah, what's the movie with James Franco and uh, oh, they play food? And like, yeah. isn't there like a scene where they get back from the grocery store and like, this is so great? And then, like, 
difference yeah. get like chopped up in a blender or something. That's kind of where my mind went. Yeah, um, I know I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember the name of that movie. Um, it's very on brand, James Franco <laughs> and Seth Rogen, by the way. <laughs> so, okay. Um, um, you said to remind you to, to park, to come back to the oh, yeah. air, by the way. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of questions here. Presumably her baby because of the mm-hmm. comment about it sharing the flicks or whatever. Um, so operating under that assumption, but I guess it's at least possible that it's not her baby. Um, <clears throat> but if it's her heir, it couldn't have been with her late husband. Right. That's what I was going to, well, that's what I was going to say. We don't know how old this baby is, but it's in a so, crib. Yeah. I mean, okay, here's the deal. I don't know how, you know, growth works yeah. in this world. Yeah. <laughs> but if it's a two year old, this thing's walking around, <laughs> you know, it, probably talking at least babbling for sure but yeah it's a baby so uh, i can only assume in the past two years she's she's found a boyfriend or something but but hey maybe in this world you know you stay a baby grape for five years or something i i don't know i mean karna's also 16 and i'm like is that 16 16 yeah like, otherwise delhi can't help himself or <laughs> you know is this like dog years i don't know yeah but, <laughs> Yeah, so. so I don't know that there's all those questions to parse, but it's also been two years. So if I guess it's at least possible that it is the king's heir, and if so, she must have been pregnant in episode one. Um, and could could that be one of the reasons that she was so pressed to? find a, like a husband and like want to get with Tomate mm. to try to like yeah. make the timing of that check out, which clearly didn't happen because it's been two years, which okay, could. So yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, which, which could be the reason for the secrecy. Obviously the secrecy is probably just necessary because it's her child regardless of, you know, whose it is. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. So I, I don't know if it's the Kings. And uh, the other question stemming from this is, well, if it is or if it isn't the Kings, is her, okay, wait, if it's not the Kings, could this blackmail on her with all the debt she's in be related to this baby, to be related to keeping it secret? Could could it be related? It could have been a secret back then. I mean. Her pregnancy could, if she was pregnant. I guess. I don't know. Or or even not the, the baby itself, but if she was having an affair, yeah. the affair could be the reason yeah. for this debt. Yeah, like, if she's yeah, if she's siphoning off fund funds to pay the boyfriend. You know, like taking yeah. care, you know, the king is a, a cuckold, you know, and <laughs> she's basically like siphoning off royal funds to like, you know, take care of Rabu or whatever. Yeah. Um, that makes a little bit more sense to me than, I don't know. There's a lot of loopholes or loopholes, uh, not loopholes. What's the expression? Plot holes and potential plot holes in that. I mean, if Karna and Rafaniel have been like at her side these last two years, wouldn't one of them also notice, presumably the baby was put there when they were like before the war started or did she travel up to Kamada? I mean, would they have seen that she was pregnant? I don't know how any of this works in fruit and vegetable world, you know, <laughs> but I don't know. It's, it's too hard to say that these are a bunch of plot holes. They're just things that have not 
settled in my mind for like how yeah. this is working. Yeah, because we don't know that we don't know the ins and outs of fructarian yeah. biology. Um, <laughs> but yeah. so yeah, the, I mean, those questions aside, I feel like via one angle or another, this secret baby, this potential affair, whatever the case may be, could at least explain her debt ledger, be it trying to keep a secret, being it paying off people, being it paying yeah. her secret boo thing, whatever it may be. Um, <clears throat> we know that she didn't tell Karna since Karna found out this way. So presumably she didn't tell the Bishop either. So this is like her ultimate Trump card. And it seems as if, she cares more about this baby than the throne because it seems like this would be a, a card she could have played is I am pregnant. There is an heir. And like, would that it not have potentially diffused the, I mean, it probably wouldn't have diffused the war, if, you know, but it could have been like a major card to play. Like, no, there is an heir. Like what is everybody doing? But she didn't play that card. Well, unless she didn't know she was pregnant until after you know, after the war started, like, and I guess knew that she couldn't play it off as like being the king's too, son. Well, maybe just, yeah, maybe thought it's too late now. People yeah. will think something, you know, unbecoming of me. Like maybe her and her, her and the king conceive king dies. She finds out we're just, this is like, I don't know how this works with vegetables, but, uh, or fruit, um, or whatever you get it. Finds out sometime later, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. The war's already begun, though. You know, I, mm. I, this marriage with Tomate makes sense because, like you said, I can sort of claim, like, here's the heir. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering. It, uh, this is something Crown of Candy people probably know, but I don't even know what the king was. Like, was he a grape? Like if he was a grape, that makes it a lot more feasible that this is his his baby. Um, yeah. But maybe well, maybe you can't like Google it because you don't want to find. Yeah, out. I don't want to yeah. spoil anything. But maybe even maybe that doesn't matter in this world. Like maybe a watermelon yeah. and a cherry can have a strawberry baby. I don't know. That's disgusting. <clears throat> but one other thing I did notice is she said it was a wine grape, mm -hmm. and uh, that this is just a pure shot in the dark. But one of the lines from her blackmail was it mentioned like beneath the crumbling grounds of the Pinoir house and Pinoir sounds wineish to me. Yeah. I don't know. Like Pinoir, I, that might not even be how it was pronounced. That's just how I wrote it down in my notes. So like that might not even be correct. Um, and it wasn't Pino, which yeah, know, it was like Pinoir or something anyway. So I thought that was an interesting connection. Um, <clears throat> Could it but be yeah. his her husband's kid, but not hers? And she feels well. It could be, but it does have her flex or whatever. Oh right, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I don't know, but with the tomate connection, what was your take on that information being revealed? Because to me, it seems like he would want that kid dead. I mean, yeah, or is he going to pass it off like it's his? I, I think it could go either way because definitely could. And maybe it's up to Karna to sort of angle him either way, but could get married and, hey, we already have an heir, and the heir solidifies the throne even more. Mm -hmm. um, I think since Tomate feels how rocky it is currently, 
Like people haven't allied with him like he thought they would. Um, it's all out war. I think the data point might be I want to protect that heir as well and pass it off as my own, especially if Amon Go is like pro us getting married. Um, but I don't know, you know, because it, it would always be a trump card that she would have over him. Right. Of, you know, I could tell people it's not yours. So I, I don't know. It, it's, it's a very dangerous detail regardless. Um, it's, and like not to get to retread what we've already said, but it makes me very suspicious of Karna to have given that up so quickly. Yeah, for sure. Because I just I didn't know how to to parse that because then, you know, he followed up with like, yeah, bring the queen to meet me, seeming like. He was interested in this potential marriage, but like, it seems like there's no universe where like he could get away with murdering that kid and still marrying her. Like, surely Amon Go wouldn't go for that. Um, it would have to be without her knowledge. Yeah, you know. But um, I also, I also can't see him like being. It seems like his aspirations would be more than just to be the king for 20 years before he dies. Like, I would think he would want his actual blood right. to be the heir right. and not just. Okay, yeah, I'll, this way I can be king for a little bit, and then, you know, that's it, though. Right. Um, I guess, do we know that the grape was a boy? I think I maybe just said that, but I don't know if we... Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think we did. So, yeah, yeah I, I'm interested to see how that dynamic develops and what everyone's intentions there are. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I couldn't believe she gave up the, the baby in that conversation. Um, right. But again, just, you know, goes to speak what she's really about. Um, if you're ready to move past this, yeah, yeah. I was going to talk about Colin Provolone. Um, <clears throat> I think you were spot on last episode. We talked about his dynamic and sort of goofiness. And you mentioned like, hey, maybe it's a ruse. Um, I think there's a lot more credence to that, seeing him in this episode. One, um, the way he sort of defends himself from Rafaniel. Uh, and then two him going to the docks and sort of solidifying those exit strategies. Uh, and three, being unwilling to tell Delhi his blackmail. You yeah. know, Delhi sharing their own blackmail and then Colin being like, it's better if I don't. Um, and I think we talked about there being some kind of rebellion that he didn't want to be associated with, possibly. Um, has any of this, like matured any more for you in terms of like this theory or what's going on with Colin? Not nothing like concrete, but, um, and again, forgive me for not being able to properly at, attribute this. Um, but somebody in the comments of our last episode drew a comparison to game of Thrones with his character. Oh yes. With Braun. I saw that yeah. comment. I'll, uh, I'll pull it up just to attribute the person. I, yeah. I, I didn't know this detail by the way, when they said this and I thought it was really great. Um, um, but essentially being that perhaps Colin is like the last, the last heir or the last in this bloodline, the Fontina bloodline, which is the, the Lucas, I think Fontina was the guy's name that like led the coup in the dairy islands. Hmm. Um, and, you know, Colin made it seem like he wasn't really affiliated with that. So it would make sense. I mean, either, Hey, he's lying or B, uh, he wasn't, and that's just like his dad or his her grandfather or his uncle or something, and he's just the last surviving member, um, which I think would 
makes sense for why people would still want to come after him for this. If, if, and I don't know the political structure of the world, but if the Fontina guy who led the coup had some sort of claim beyond just like wanting to overthrow the government, which I assume he did, then Colin would, could be the last person that like has such a claim and therefore would want, they would want to wipe him off the map if they knew he still existed yeah. type of thing. So looking up the comments, this came from Mara. Um, I think Colin Provolone is based on Braun from Game of Thrones. That would mean Colin is based, probably actually surviving Fontina um, since Braun is heavily implied to be the last surviving reign of Castamir. Never knew this from Game of Thrones. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I, I don't think this was at all illustrated well in the show. I'm assuming that detail mostly comes from the book. Um, thank you, Mara. What a great detail. Uh, and by the way, since I'm already here, let me also... Um, uh, Nick Grisak, Gresik. Uh, it's implied Karna gets her magic from the Hungry One, which mm. is considered considered to be very taboo. It's like a devil figure in the world of Crown of Candy. There we go. Um, so that's another just great detail that came from our commenters. Uh, by the way, thank you guys so much for yeah. sharing that. Um, so yeah, I I do really like that theory about Braun, uh, about uh, Colin Provolone. Um, would be very interesting for sure. Yeah. I, I, there's, there's more to him for sure. I don't, again, I, I don't want to retread ground that we covered in the first episode. Um, I do think his personality is like that. Like, I don't think he's wearing a complete mask of this, of that person, but I definitely think he's, right. he's weaponized it. Yeah. In a, or a, a defensivized it. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. yeah, I'm just really curious to find out more and I'm just, <laughs> There's so much intrigue and like backstory to all of these characters. It's we only have four episodes left. And I mean, I know it's a prequel, so maybe there's like maybe yeah. there's like more stuff to kind of unfurl if we watch Crown of Candy afterwards. But at least I think we're going to have to. Yeah. You know, just, yeah, for uh, sure. Just kind of <laughs> just to see kind of what happens. Yeah. Just, yeah and just I want to know. But uh, and this is I'm sure it's amazing. It's what we've heard over and over. But saying this now, there's obviously not going to be Colin Provolone lore in Crown of Candy because right, it's right. a new character. So I guess we won't be able to learn anything about that. But I don't know. I just want to know more about like, <clears throat> I don't know. I'm sure we'll find out more, but I'm just curious. Yeah. Uh, what else from this episode do you want to talk about? Let me let me take a quick old peeker at the notes. Um, we said it in the recap, but I just loved the conversation about sex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. That was amazing. <laughs> Colin, good luck with that. <laughs> oh, man. And okay. I did like uh, <clears throat> toward the end of this episode where um, Colin once again, or Adeli was like, yeah, once Colin gets there, he'll really be able to give us some ideas. He's like, yeah, yeah, like, I'll, I need to see it. Uh, with his like strategic, you know, mastermind, um, yeah. <laughs> which I'm curious. I mean, he may actually be, uh, so right. I'm curious to see like, right. if, if he does come up with the plan or anything like that. Right. Um, but let's see, I, <clears throat> I think, I think we mostly covered what I wanted to, um, the only other little bit I just saw in my notes that I don't think we explicitly said is kind of regarding this baby. Um, did 
in the first episode, was it ever mentioned that she was like incapable of bearing an heir and that's why they didn't? Or we just we don't know why there was no heir. I think they just said there was no heir, but I could be wrong. Because I don't remember if it was in the the after show for episode one or not, but she mentioned oh, okay. like about those herbs when yeah. it might have been during the, the actual episode, but she mentioned about those herbs like, you know, what if that killed the king or what if that made me infertile? Oh, um, so I don't know if and the bishop being so close to her was keeping her infertile. Yeah, I don't know. So I don't know if that if Anjali was making that comment, like, yeah, just wow, that's if, if there was anything behind that, like, is she infertile? Um, and that's why she even posited that or clearly she's not. So um, anyway, I'm wondering if the king's dead. We know that much. The bishop maybe had something to do with it. Um but could she have had anything to do with it? Especially if this mm. is like an out of wedlock affair, baby, like yeah. would she have had any reason to want to kill the King? Maybe, maybe the King would have found out about this baby and killed it or something, you know, maybe the King did find out. Yeah. So, um, we kind of already touched on that subject, but that was just one part yeah. I forgot to mention. Um, yeah. I think there's, there's more to almond go for sure. Like, I feel like yeah, there's another shoe sure. to drop with her, especially because she's one level lower than everybody else. And like, why is that right. the case? Yeah, that's really interesting and odd. Yeah. Is it like a is it like a secret level? Like she really is level five, but we can't know about it for some reason or or else like you, you wouldn't think she would like intentionally handicap herself. By being Maybe. a level lower. I know in Worlds Beyond, there's a moment where Abria says, hey, I want to roll at a disadvantage. And Britain's like, okay, so maybe I mean, there could be something there. Um, maybe she's playing into like the naivety of her character by purposely making her a level lower. I, I have no idea. Would be interesting if there's something else to it, though. And talking about this reminded me of one other thing. Um, I'm not looking at it all right now, so this this might be incorrect. But we've seen everyone's character sheet. We know what their levels are, and like a bunch of them have rogue levels. There's like fighter levels. Um, bard is is one and that does have spells but most of them like there aren't wizards sorcerers um which kind of would make sense in this in the context of the lore of this world with like this, these magic things being taboo um all that to say i wonder if she maybe does have a secret level but it's like it's sorcerer or wizard or something that would show her to have these spells and therefore have some implications in that way yeah, that makes sense for sure. Very so curious. Presumably we might find out in our next combat, which seems like it will be this next episode. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. We know this person's coming from Ceresia. Um, could this be Thane D'Alessandro's boo thing? Because we know she was like fishing for info in episode one and it would make for it would make for a really interesting dynamic if like he all yeah, of a sudden was like uh for sure. you know and that may be something like crown of candy people would would know so like i don't know if that yeah. is like a dumb thing to even question but you know since we haven't seen it right um or at least if not her maybe we know he spent he grew up there like maybe it's somebody he knows at least or like that person's dad or wasn't there like a dad introduced or something? Uh, first? His grandfather. Oh, yeah. Is that who you mean? Yeah, maybe that's what I was thinking of, actually. Okay, well, never mind. Yeah, maybe the aunt. I don't know. 
I think I think it might be someone he knows though, because didn't he go spend time there? Yeah. Part of that's, that's what I just said. Oh, sorry. I was still so like deep on like the ant line of thinking. No, yeah. So yeah, he you know left the Meatlands when yeah. his other didn't, mom died and spent and time he, there. Didn't he leave the Meatlands when he was when his other mom died? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I still can't think of that movie you were referencing earlier. You're gonna have to tell me after we all right, all right. after we end here. No, um, well, now that I did it, I'm like, have you even seen it? I'm like wondering if you. Well, even I know. Saw the I was trying to think of movies that came out recently, and I feel like yeah, I don't. I, don't know. I haven't seen that. unless like was is it even really a movie or were you trying to cover? Yeah, it's a movie. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you're referencing like Critical Role or it's something. A, it's a YouTube short, so <laughs> <laughs> really You've compelling it, right? characters. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let us know, guys, what y'all thought of the episode and your favorite theories and just ideas for what the heck's going on and what we can expect in the next episode. Um, having said that little thumbnail action. Yeah. Um, what did we do last time? Oh, we did like the note taking. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> Every thumbnail is just like an iteration. <laughs> it's the same picture just, or like upside down, like a different angle. 12 degrees. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. I don't know. Like One of can, us could be like sort of like praying like you know to the bulb or something, and the other one could be like like throwing up. Okay. Kind of like Abria and Brennan's characters. Yeah. I'm down for that. You don't seem too flipped on it. We don't have to do that. <clears throat> no, I, no, that's cool. I like that. It's totally cool. I'm just yeah. I'm down. <laughs> All right. Do you want to be the Bulbian or the hungry well, one? Your again? idea, you pick. Uh I'll be the Bulbian. Okay. Yeah. All right. How's this? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. It's like, why is he trying to be an ape? Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in today and stay tuned for more of our D&D content. Yeah. Uh, don't forget to join the Discord. Maybe watch party soon. Maybe even for tomorrow's episode. And uh, oh, one other thing, one other thing, one other thing. Oh, yeah. Please, again, enlighten us on the lore that we're getting completely wrong and would help yeah. us understand. <laughs> All right. Yeah. See ya. Bye.